Today, we talk about B2B businesses trying to do B2C. This show is for everyone working at the coalface. Digital, business, marketing, social. This is At The Coalface with your host, Jason Greenwood. I'm Jason Greenwood. Welcome to episode 49 of At The Coalface. Pretty stoked to be at episode 49, nearly to the magic 50 episode of At The Coalface. For all of you guys listening on the podcast, welcome. Um, this, is, this, is, uh, this is definitely very exciting to be doing both a video and a podcast kind of at the same time and to try to think about the needs of each audience so that I make the video compelling but also make the audio component compelling. So, so definitely welcome to you guys. Um, I also want to talk a little bit today uh, about a subject that uh, is a really difficult one for a lot of businesses to discuss, and that is the concept of B2B or primarily B2B businesses trying to become B2C businesses, and so they're trying to go direct to consumers. So we're talking about a lot of manufacturer brands, a lot of wholesale brands that have really tried to make a play or are considering making a play for the direct consumer space. And there's many reasons why they might want to consider that. And I've seen many businesses to try to make this transition, especially as e-commerce has become more common. They, they think of it as, a, I guess, a bit of a silver bullet where they can just go online, they can set up a website, they can push their products there, and they can sell direct to the consumer. And, and I guess from a strategic perspective, so there's several reasons why they may want to do that. One is they want to own that relationship with their customer. So instead of having the businesses that they sell to or wholesale to, um, having that relationship with the end customer, they want to be able to have that relationship with the end customer. They want to own that relationship. They want to be able to send them emails. They want to be able to remarket to them. They want to be able to have that ongoing sticky relationship with the end customer instead of being dependent on their resellers or their retailers continuing to move product for them. So they have a much tighter relationship with the end customer. The other reason that they, that they often want to make that change and that they're being forced to make that change is compressed margins. So a lot of the retailers out there, they're doing it tough and so they're trying to cut their margins down to stimulate demand and as a result they're putting pressure on their suppliers, i.e. the manufacturers, the wholesalers, to bring their prices down so that they can still make a margin at retail. And so the wholesalers and manufacturers, what they're trying to do is they're trying to claw back a bit of that margin so that they can have effectively both the wholesale margin at a reduced rate, the retail margin at a reduced rate, but still make a sustainable margin for them to have a solid quality business ongoing. And so there's definitely market pressures to cut out middlemen. Uh, the end consumer is demanding ever better prices for products and there's increased competition. So there's more manufacturers than ever. There's more suppliers than ever. It's a global marketplace. Very, very easy for customers to jump online and buy through an Amazon or an eBay or various different global marketplaces, buy off of manufacturers' websites, buy off of retailers' websites internationally, and then uh, typically pay just a small duty when it enters their country, if at all. So certainly, there's globalization pressures, there's uh, consumer pressures in terms of price, there's retailer pressure in terms of price, and so these manufacturers and wholesalers are really trying to scramble to claw back a bit of margin to have a sustainable business model. Now the challenge that they, ha they face in many instances that, that I've seen these businesses have to deal with is really the fact that if you're a primarily B2B business and you've always been B2B, so business to business, 
then you've really built up relationships sometimes over many years with your retailers and you're very dependent upon them for all of your sales. So if, if circa 80 to 90% of your sales plus are coming through the channel, i.e. through your reseller market, the last thing you want to do is start competing with them head to head and have them drop your product before you have a chance to replace those sales with direct to consumer sales. And so there's definitely a, a fine line to walk there. And certainly for some of the bigger brands out there, for some of the bigger product ranges out there, and some of those global brands, they just simply are not in a position to be able to even consider going direct to the consumer because of the fact that the backlash that they would get from their reseller channel and the fact that they would cut them off at the knees and they would be out of business before they even had a chance to transition those sales from B2B to B2C. So certainly that's not an option for all businesses, but it's going to increasingly, as those margins continue to fall and as they continue to, to see pressure from the marketplace, they'll rapidly get into a position where they may not have any choice whatsoever and they'll have to go B2C for the survival of their company. In other words, they don't have a choice and they have to do it. Now some of the other challenges that B2B businesses have when they try to move to the B2C space as often as B2B businesses, they don't have any experience dealing with individual end customers. So they're used to shipping pallets and cartons. They're not used to shipping, for example, individual items. And as a result of that, their business is not set up to do large volumes of individual items shipped directly to the customer. Oftentimes, they're also not set up to deal with customer service volumes that, that are in line with the kind of volumes they'd be doing to an end customer. So they don't have necessarily a call center. They don't necessarily have the customer service staff that are really required to deal with the volumes of customer service, both inquiries, pre-sale inquiries that they would get from the end customer, as well as dealing with things like returns, incorrectly shipped products, broken products, um, you know, irate customers on the end of the phone or the email or the chat service. The other thing that they are not used to dealing with is all of the commerce stack systems that they need to have in place, all the technologies that they need to have in place to be able to support direct to consumer sales. So a lot of these wholesalers, they don't even necessarily have a self-service business to business website e-commerce website and as a result of that when they start looking at making the jump to B2C they realize wow we need to do this e-commerce thing and we need to do it well but they don't often have the in-house skills or capabilities to both do the marketing component directly to the consumer as well as to do all of the fulfillment and to provide the, the B2C self-service website that the customer can log on to and place their orders through. So they face a whole raft of challenges when they look at making that jump from B2B to B2C. So what I want to share with, with you guys today, especially if you're a business that is currently B2B and are, are considering going B2C, to try to help you work through some of those complexities of trying to become a B2C business and also look at some ways in which hopefully with a bit of really clear advice, hopefully you can set yourself up if you ultimately do decide to go B2C, that hopefully we can increase your chances of success if you do decide to go down that path. Now one of the, the first things that you're going to need to do is you're going to, to have to look or often look at ways in which you can mitigate the backlash from your retailers slash resellers. Now some of, the, some of the ways in which you can open this dialogue are the fact that oftentimes a reseller slash retailer will not carry your entire range. So they'll, they'll cherry pick the top sellers from your range. So let's sell, say that you sell 100 SKUs of products, 100 individual items. Oftentimes those retailers might only pick the top 10 or 20% of those items, the ones that are going to move fast, the ones that have good margin, the ones that, that already have a good um, name in the marketplace and are, and are likely to be easy to sell. 
And so oftentimes you can have that dialogue with them and say, well, look, you know, the reason why we're going direct to the consumer, why we're going B2C is because our retailers such as yourself, you only carry a limited range. Now, if you want to um, carry the full range and this becomes a point of negotiation with them, what you, what you may choose to do is you may to choose to give them an exclusive range that you won't sell direct to the consumer or alternatively you can put the pressure on them to carry your full range to prevent you from competing with them and going direct to the marketplace. The other alternative you have when you're starting to have this dialogue with your major resellers, and this is assuming that you do have major resellers, if you don't, uh, and really you don't have any one reseller that, that has all of your business or has a significant portion of your business and it's really, I guess, diffused amongst you know, hundreds of resellers and retailers, then, then it's, it's probably an easier um, you know, discussion to have or you, you may not even have, need to have that discussion at all because you may just say, look, we have to do this. We don't have any choice and if we, if we lose a few of our reseller network, then, then we, you know, we can weather that storm. If you're dependent on a couple of large large resellers and they have a lot of leverage over you, then these are the kind of discussions you're going to need to have. You're going to need to have discussions around exclusive ranges that you may be able to give to them that you won't compete with them on and that may be enough to make them happy, but it may not make you happy, especially if it's that, if that is genuinely your top sellers. You may want to produce an exclusive range for them that, that is unique to them that, that once again can make them happy but you sell effectively the same product but it's a slightly different model or a slightly different design and it's not in direct competition with them. That may make them happy. You may want to do some kind of revenue sharing model. So you may say, look, we're going to go direct to the consumer, but you know what? We're going to have all of our regionalized resellers, we're going to share part of those profits back to those resellers. So if we, and oftentimes that's based on delivery address. So if you deliver into a catchment of one of your major resellers, then you may say, okay, we have this marked out in our system and automatically you're going to get 10% or you're going to get whatever the percentage that you decide to work out is fair to distribute back out to your resellers. And you may do it based on a, a, a sliding scale of how much value in terms of, of their sales, of your total sales that they bring to the table, you may div divide that on a sliding scale pro rata amongst those resellers based on how much value they bring to you and that may be a point of negotiation as well. So there's a number of different ways to approach that but definitely if you've got a couple of key resellers that you, that you are afraid that would leave if they found out after the fact that you are competing with them, you want to have that discussion very early and you want to lay all of your cards on the table and you want to be very transparent with them as, as best you can uh, as long as you don't think that it's going to cause them to effectively draw a line in the sand. Uh, in which case, if you think that they are going to draw a line in the sand, then you may make a strategic decision to go ahead, do it in secret, do it in quiet, launch it onto the marketplace knowing that you're going to lose that reseller anyway, but at least you've captured those sales between the time that you made the decision to go live in a B2C environment and the time you actually go live because it's going to take you a long time. It's probably going to take you, you know, 6 to 12 months to put all your ducks in a row, to get your website up and running, to get an internal team ready to go both for customer service for web administration, for all of the integrations that you're going to need to do across your systems. It's going to take you a bit of time to get up and live, so you don't want to let, it, let the cat out of the bag too early. If you think that these uh, resellers are likely to leave you anyway, you may just want to you know, keep that under the radar and then kind of spring that on the market as it will um, if, if you're definitely going to lose them anyway. So a number of different approaches that you're going to need to, to, to make uh, strategically around how you communicate to the market to your B2B customers that you are going to now be competing with them or are likely to be competing with them on a B2C environment. If you can get enough of a commitment out of them in terms of volumes or in terms of your full range or whatever else, that threat alone of going B2C may be enough 
to get to, to give you some leverage back over your resellers again to where you can retreat back into that B2B environment and you can have enough margin. You can have that margin discussion with them uh, and you can have a whole lot of other discussions with them, commercial discussions that may allow you to retreat back into that B2B environment at least for, for you know, a, a, another few months or another few years until you really do have, see that margin compression. You have, no, you have no other choice but to go B2C. If you made the decision to go B2C and you've had that discussion or you're deciding to fly under the radar with your major resellers, then you've got a few steps that you're going to need to take. First of all, you're going to need to get an upskill and bring in some in-house staff that actually know what they're doing from a technology perspective. Maybe you, you poach some key staff from some, some retailers that are in the marketplace that are in your vertical uh, that really know that space very, very well and they know what the customer expectations are in that space. You should already have a pretty good feel for the pulse of your customer anyway and what their, what their expectations are. But you're going to need to bring some in-house expertise, most likely from an e-commerce perspective, from a digital perspective in particular, and from a marketing perspective, uh, especially across social media and all of the other modern marketing channels. You're going to need to have some in-house firepower around that because outsourcing that is in, in, uh, you know, in its entirety is going to be pretty expensive. Uh, and those people aren't necessarily going to know your business as well as you do. And so it's going to be a case of probably a combination of both in-house resources and outsource resources that you're going to have to have a combination of those two to really do B2C well. Now, the other thing you need to do is you're going to have to absolutely understand that your shipping volumes are going to, are going to go up. So when you think of all of the volumes that you currently ship out in cases and cartons, now if you think about every one of those being shipped individually, you're probably going to need to beef up uh, either your 3PL, 4PL, you know, third-party logistics infrastructure and the relationships you have there. Alternatively, if you do your own shipping currently out of your own warehouses, then you need to, to beef that up and you need to, to, to revisit your shipping, uh, you know, your, your pick, pack, and dispatch systems uh, and your shipping systems and possibly even the range of carriers that you use. You're going to need to look long and hard at that and see what kind of changes might need to be made to that to accommodate a direct B2C model and have that be efficient enough that it doesn't eat back into the margins that you're now trying to claw back out of going B2C. Next thing you need to do is you're going to need to obviously look at an e-commerce website uh, and you're going to have to look at how that potentially integrates to your existing back office systems, your existing ERP systems. You're going to have to really take a long, hard look both at the platform you want to go with for B2C as well as how it will need to integrate to your back office systems in terms of stock control, in terms of pricing updates, in terms of, of SKUs and new products and all those things. There's a lot to consider there. So what you're going to want to do in the first instance is you're going to want to partner with an e-commerce expert and that typically takes the form of an e-commerce or digital agency that specializes in e-commerce. You're going to want to, you're going to, want to you know, meet with a few of uh, local agencies that you trust or if you've got some people that you work with already that have had good experience with an e-commerce agency, then you're going to want to uh, meet with them. You're going to want to get a good gut feel for them. You're going to want to talk about what platforms they support. And you're going to want to do a bit of due diligence for yourself. Now, if this is your first foray into B2C, you don't necessarily need to go and spend the earth. You know, you're not going to go and need to spend $100,000 on an e-commerce website straight out of the gate because you're going to still be feeling your way and after you know 12 to 24 months of being in the BDC game you're going to know a lot better about what kind of experience you do want to provide to your customers you're going to know better what kind of technology stack you need to provide that so I would suggest you start with very much an MVP or a minimum viable product mindset which means you get to market quickly you iterate you learn you develop you progress and then you know you can make some other decisions 12 to 24 months down the track so that really gets back to what type of platform you may choose to go with from, for e-commerce. I would suggest 
uh, initially that you start out with a, a SaaS product or a cloud-based product, such as BigCommerce, such as Shopify, such as Volusion, something that's very, very simple for you to do a lot of the work yourself, potentially even picking an off-the-shelf template uh, that can get you up and running quickly. If you've got someone that's tech-savvy in the business or you hire someone that's tech-savvy and knows e-commerce really, really well, they may even be able to set up that initial website for you very quickly. And then all you've got to worry about is the integration to back office systems if you decide to even do that. You may not know, not know what your volumes are going to be out of the gate initially from a B2C perspective. So you may want to start small. You may want to manually process those orders even though it's going to take you a bit of extra time to ship out those orders. You may not integrate that with your back office systems. You may update your stock quantities manually. You may update your pricing manually. You may, you know, print out your packing slips manually out of the back end of the e-commerce platform. You may, you know, ship that manually, log that manifest with your with your courier and have them do the pickups. You may even you may even hand write the, the shipping labels initially. Um, so you know there's 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 sort of the, the, the inexpensive way if you want to go boots and all then that's where you you can obviously spend you know you can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars um, both developing your initial website as well as as well as integrating it with back office systems. Now the benefit of going B2C is that typically whilst you're at it if you don't currently offer a B2B self-service model. So let's say you don't offer a website currently that your B2B customers can order through on account. Typically the experience that you gain out of going B2C and providing a really good B2C site experience is something that you can then extend whether it be on the same platform or building a secondary website that's, that's uh, purely to serve your B2B customers. Sometimes on a B2C website you can simply set up a B2B customer group within there to where the, the B2B customers once they log in they get their special pricing and they can order on account etc etc. So there's a lot of things to consider there. but. The, the, the really one of the biggest benefits of, of offering a B2C service is that you can then extend that into a B2B self-service model so that, uh, so that your B2B customers instead of, you know, heaven forbid, faxing uh, orders through or emailing orders through or even phoning orders through, they can actually order through a self-service website which is what more and more B2B customers want to do anyway. So, so that may work really, really well for your B2B customers, especially the smaller ones. Your larger B2B customers most likely order, already order in an automated fashion through EDI or electronic data interchange. So they may not take you up on the B2B self-service component but definitely adding that string to your bow allows you to take on some of the smaller resellers um, that are looking to order through a website because uh, it's what they know um, as B2C consumers themselves. They know, already know how to order through a website. So there's definitely lots of considerations. I think there's some huge challenges but some huge opportunities for B2B band brands or historical B2B brands that are now trying to do B2C. I haven't even started to get into the marketing model and, and some of the details around that. But these are certainly some of the things that you need to consider is that you know you will probably hemorrhage some of your B2B customers and potentially a significant percentage of them if you decide to compete with them in a B2C model. You may choose to sell at RRP on your B2C website and not really take it to your B2B customers in competition by heavily discounting your product even though you probably could and still be profitable. You may, you may take the soft sell option of the B2C option. You may launch just uh, selling everything at RRP and then once you've built up a really solid customer base, um, you know, you may two to three years in, you may decide, okay, now we're actually going to start really competing with our B2B customers um, uh, in the B2C landscape and we're going to start heavily discounting our products because we can still make a great margin but we're going to be more competitive at the retail price level so we're going to discount underneath the RRP that we put out into the marketplace. So there's a number of different options that you have but, but really the cons main considerations are, 
Are you in a place where you can hemorrhage those B2B clients today? If not, how can you mitigate that? How can you minimize the loss of your B2B customers? And then, uh, and then how can you put a plan in place, a strategic plan in place to get up and running quickly uh, with a minimum viable product that's going to service your B2C customers well, iterate, learn, and market from there and innovate from there. So hopefully this information has been helpful and uh, look forward to hearing back from you. Uh, if any of you guys have done the B2B to B2C thing or if you're considering doing so, love to hear your thoughts and love to hear any questions you may have and hopefully I can give you um, some sage advice based on my experience that might help you out. Thanks guys, talk to you soon.